1: Hello, world. Welcome to the Mile High Fi podcast. I am Carl Jensen with my co host. I'm Doug Cunnington. Doug, today I'm pretty excited. We have a case study, and this gentleman's name is Craig. He is 56 years old. He has laid out his money situation, and he not only has some questions about money, but he, he has some questions about life. And I th- find those to be way more interesting because the money part, I'm not going to say it's easy, but it is pretty simple math. Figuring out how to live a Happy and satisfying life is is the harder part, and ultimately the more rewarding part. Pretty much what we're going to do with our money after we actually pull the trigger.
0: Yeah, this is a good one. There, there's some ideas about the four percent rule. We have a lot of details on you know his assets, and then like you said, some questions about life, which uh, we're, we're experts <laughs> at. Clearly, we're uh, we've mastered life and happiness
1: yeah but before we get into it this is a topic that doug and i have been thinking a lot about because we're writing a book about this very topic how to what to do with your life after you have a productive life so how to be anti-productive how to be more lazy it's in the very early stages but unless we get too lazy you'll see the book at at some point, I, I don't want to assign a date to it because it is a book about how to be lazy. So I don't want to have any deadlines on it. It would seem anti, unless it's just a big book like empty pages. Like we got super lazy, and this is all we can come up with.
0: It's just a journal. <laughs> it's yeah. an empty journal. No lines, nothing. <laughs> couple pictures in there. That'll be the sequel book. I'm pretty pumped. Like we've we've had a couple of meetings and and chatted about it and. You know, there will be a focus on post-retirement and being lazy after you retire. Especially, I mean, that it's the book that you needed, right? I'm writing
1: this book for myself. All of you are going to get to read it, but this is the book that I wish I would have had. And this is the book I've been meant to write. Uh, Some probably crazy person actually offered me a book deal some years ago, I think because of the blog. And uh, I turned it down. It just didn't feel like a great fit, but this feels like a totally great fit. I'm super excited.
0: And the the other portion, so p- part of the focus will be that we're still kind of figuring it out, but I wanted to have something about laziness on the job. That's something I personally excelled at, I feel. And a lot of, I mean, it's frowned upon. You know, You don't hear people maybe taking the stage and giving a talk on, how to be lazy at work cuz the employers don't it's what the employers don't want you to know right i could see these great facebook ads or whatever and i'll i'll be your employer doesn't want you to know this and then i'll tell people <laughs> how to get promoted by doing less work in half the time you know right
1: yeah yeah i have the, like the old guy the one little secret or whatever those yeah yeah are. yeah
0: the so, one secret your boss doesn't want you to know
1: so i'll be excelling by not excelling it's going to be yeah. great
0: yeah so we're uh we're still figuring out some of the details, but I think that'll be an important part in I think it can help people I guess separate and decouple their identity with their job because I think that is really shitty. We have an email from uh someone else I think we're gonna cover it pretty soon, maybe the next episode but I mean people accomplish a lot they take a lot of pride in their work, which is good. however, when it's tied to a corporate job where it's kinda i don't know i don't I don't like that stuff anymore, it's really hard to uh step away from it and when you are like, Oh, I want to be happy and do some other stuff and you're tied to like a high pressure job, all your identity is tied up with like your in investment banking job or your your management consulting and you really identify as that person it's like how do you tear yourself away so i think if you can um you know disrespect the job and do less work and be lazy it's much easier it yeah. worked for me yeah, yeah
1: that, that's a chapter in itself the the person who comes to mind with this is doc g who is an actual uh, physician and Uh, Funny enough for him, he always knew his identity wasn't being a physician and that made it a lot easier for him. But think of the sunk cost of that, Doug. You went to medical school and all of a sudden you're just going to give that up because you don't feel it was what you were meant to be or what to do. Pretty amazing, I think.
0: Yeah. And I think some of the stories we hear where um, whatever, someone did some jobs and then a lot of times I I hear this with uh, like writers and then like their first book came out when they were like 45 and they're like a prolific writer now. I can't remember who I'm, I'm thinking of, but you hear that, um, occasionally it's just like someone's second or third career was the one where they really excelled. And yeah, I wonder just from, I mean, from my standpoint, I I guess I did my, uh, corporate career for like a decade. I'm coming up on 10 years on my like affiliate marketing stuff and I've slowly been doing like less of that area and doing more of this stuff that we're working on. So, it's like every 10 years, it seems like kind of a good cadence for me. Yeah. Building upon skills, that kind of thing.
1: Oh, man. That's such a good point, Doug. I, we'll get into these uh, this topic in a second. But yeah, reinvention. I, I think it's pretty amazing. And we're, we're kind of doing it right now. We started this podcast, but now... We might be reinventing ourselves as authors if this goes well. Who knows what uh what, yeah, we'll do the journal or workbook for book two, and who knows what happens after that. Maybe we'll do be doing something completely different.
0: Yeah, it's, it'll be the one word journal. You just write one word per day. It's so easy. So um one other one other thing here um about the book. I have man we could do a whole episode maybe maybe we do that um just on the book where we go back and forth and people get hear our excitement we're just talking about it it's a book about laziness it may not even happen but when um when i've tried things in the past usually it took a couple tries like the first one kind of failed like just it doesn't work out i go back kind of fix the things that didn't work and kind of improve how much um how much iteration do you do for your projects and stuff, or like when you when you've taken on a big thing? The point being, like, we write first book, right? Maybe it does, maybe it's not that great. Are you willing to like go back and like try a few times till we get better?
1: Yeah, I think the. Well, a broader point, I I think the iteration should never stop in life. I think about this often with my house projects, like some of my earlier ones weren't so great. Maybe the design wasn't so great, but because it's not so great, that's an opportunity for improvement. And as long as you still enjoy it, then I think you should go out and take the mistakes from the first time and create something better. I think the, the work I do now in a house is super good and it's beautiful. It's well thought out. Sometimes I'd rush in this stuff and the colors suck or whatever. But yeah, I think everything in life, I mean, how many times do you ever create something perfect? Like never, there's always a chance to iterate and that's what it should be about. The process is the fun part, I think.
0: Yeah. Cool. I'm not going to hold you to it. We may start and we're like, this sucks. We don't want to do this anymore. So, um, but I think we'll be able to squeeze out at least, at least one book and we'll have our, um writing retreat which i'm i'm excited to um hook up this should be pretty fun and i was even looking at another place i'll tell you offline um and i was like oh maybe we could take two writing retreats because we like road trips and we can get out of the house there's a spot that i'm thinking of that it really doesn't very poor um internet very poor like cell phone reception so we actually could get a shitload done very uh like rugged wilderness kind of stuff nice so
1: yeah and If the book fails, Doug, like we have these visions in our head for this 80,000 thing, we'll just turn it into a kid's book. We'll get uh, Mid Journey to do some uh, coloring book shit and it'll be like 50 words long. It'll be great. All
0: right. So this is from Craig. Uh, Carl, do you want to break down some of the the pieces here? We have a ton of detail. We're not going to read the whole thing, but what are the high points that we should consider?
1: Yeah. But before we do that, so Craig wrote, I really have enjoyed the shows. I just left a review, a five star review rating under the his uh nitro hiker is his name but if if you're joining the show too please leave a review if you hate the show no need to leave a review but you could send an email i can never remember our email address what is it doug at mile high club.com is that yeah it?
0: for the complaints it's uh carl at mile high okay dot com
1: okay mile high Fi, not mile high Fi club god someday i'll be able to remember <laughs> that but this isn't the day but anyway uh Uh, Craig starts talking about the 4% rule. He mentions that he doesn't think a million dollars is enough. The $40,000 isn't enough money. I agree with him there. Uh, But let's talk a little bit more about his situation. He's got 1.9 million in investable assets. Uh, We won't go into the specific breakdowns. He is 58, so he's almost old enough to draw from any of the retirement accounts. You can get it at your 401k and Roth when you're 59. So he is just about there. Uh, he has a $450,000 house that is paid off. Uh, his cars are paid off. He has no debt whatsoever. His expenses are only 5600 a month. So one interesting part about this, if you do the 1.9 and apply the 4% rule to it, that is $7,600 and his spending is only 5600 So he's got a $2,000 difference between his spending and it, between what he potentially could spend and what he does spend. Uh, yeah, uh, the Fly Calc says he has a hundred percent chance of success if he retires now. Uh, the only thing he doesn't have nailed down is health insurance. So he has some questions about the ACA marketplace. Uh, what do you think about all that, Doug? That those were a lot of numbers I threw at you. And you know what? There's a couple other things that I see that I did not mention. He also, his security, social security is going to be 4600 per month, which is pretty great. That's almost equal to his actual spending of 5600 And his wife is also going to get a pension of almost $1,000 a month. So even if he didn't have all of his savings, his social security and his wife's pension could fund their spending.
0: So, one thing, and I do this for my other show too, when people send in questions, I'll uh, often say, hey, we'll we'll do a show on it. I'll write back a quick answer. For this one with Craig, I, I saw the email and I didn't even finish the whole thing. And I was like, I didn't pull out any calculator or anything. I was like, bro, you have enough. Like this is, you have way more than you need. Like there's no question here. Even if you know, we're going to get into the healthcare stuff a little bit because you just purchased off the ACA, right? Correct. So, basically, even if that cost way more than what they're expecting, they are so far ahead that it's almost laughable. And, you know, we had some back and forths and no disrespect to to Craig, but like when you see the math, it's just like there's no, there's no um, issues, right? And... Any of the five calculators will say a hundred percent. Cause this is I didn't do the math again, but this is probably something like two to two and a half percent rule, right? If you look at all their assets. Yeah,
1: Craig is so far ahead.
0: Paid off house, that is a huge thing too. So yeah, they're they're in great, great shape. And what are your initial thoughts?
1: Yeah, my initial thought was the exact same as you. I'm going through Craig's numbers and unless he really, really loves his job, unless he would stay there for free. Uh, there is no, absolutely no reason for him to stay
0: working. And what's the kicker? What's his wife do?
1: Uh, his wife is a teacher and she is not returning uh, after the school year. She is going to be retired. And he goes on to talk about the situation a little bit more. He says, I am on the fence as to when to pull the trigger, but I want to have the summer to enjoy without the time suck of full time employment. Dude, don't just do the summer, do the rest of your life. Your wife isn't going to be working. Don't you want to enjoy retirement with her?
0: Yeah. And I mean, with, with that additional fact, and then the fact that Carl and I both recently read Die With Zero, it's like, yeah, you gotta stop working immediately. Like put in your two week notice. Like, don't give I just talking to a dude uh, recently, and I think he gave like six months notice, which is great. He said he liked his team and the thing is just go live your life. Like they'll figure it out. Like we think we're really important, but um you're very replaceable. I hate to break it to everybody, but like whatever company you work at, like you're fuck- like they could replace you in weeks. Do you, do you disagree with that, Carl, at all?
1: No, I completely agree <laughs> with it. And the 4,000 Weeks book drives us home, too, that anything we do, unless we're, we're Steve Jobs, it, no one is going to know who we are or what we did 10 years after our death. And even, I think, in the 4,000 Weeks book, the author makes a point that even Steve Jobs, no one is going to give a shit about him in, like, yeah. 500 years. He's just going to be a footnote in history. Uh, so yeah, I think people who say those types of thoughts are probably overvaluing themselves. And I did too. I thought, oh, I can't leave my team. I'm going to leave. I'm like, no one is, unless you're Elon Musk and even him, he could, pro- could probably be replaced if you found the right person. No one is irreplaceable.
0: Yeah. Except you, Carl, here. You know. Except, I I mean, I have people come in all the time to replace you. Yeah,
1: I I think the (laughs) podcast, the number one thing we could do to improve Mile Hi-Fi is for me to quit.
0: Who would you replace me with if you could pick anyone?
1: If I could pick anyone, I don't know, probably someone really good who speaks more eloquently and has better thoughts, uh, like a Lex Friedman or maybe a Tim Ferriss. I don't know, a Jocko. A Jocko would be pretty cool. Neither of you guys have much hair. and Oh,
0: yeah. I think that'd be awesome. We should figure out how to, like, run my voice through a filter so I sound like Jocko.
1: And we should run our images through a filter, too, so we look like him. Like, add 50 pounds of muscle.
0: And Lex is a robot. We could probably get him on here anyway, just some AI thing. Yeah, I bet we could. Like, chat Lex or something. Someone should invent that. So, okay. We have what looks to be a, a pretty good um you know, he's, he's going to be all right. Craig's going to be okay. We do encourage you, Craig, to, I would say, put in your notice. I would say, get out of there. You guys have enough. And even if, even if you, you know, something very weird happened and you, you wanted to go back to work for some reason, you could do a part-time thing. But I mean, again, looking at the numbers here, like, you're in really excellent shape. So, let's talk about some of the other stuff yeah, here. like one second, Doug, before we, we get into yeah. that.
1: I just finished up Dial with Zero yesterday, actually, and I think the number one homework assignment I would give to Craig and others who struggle with the same stuff is to read the book. I would say there's so many books and not many have a profound impact. But that book, I thought there was some really good stuff in there. I always take notes when I read a book. And one of the things he says is, if you die with a million dollars, you've died with one million of experiences you didn't enjoy. And I know in the book he talks about having this extravagant party with Nat, Natalie Merchant, and I think it was his 45th birthday. Um, yeah, and I'm not exactly sure I was going with that, but that book is uh, – yeah, that book is high motivation to get off your ass and start living, especially if you're maybe a little bit afraid of
0: spending mm-hmm. money. Well, I think what you're getting at maybe is like if you die and you have, you know, millions of dollars or a million dollars, like the number of years that you spent accumulating that you like worked for someone else and someone else was getting rich off of that or a company was or whatever – that you could have been spending time with your family or friends. Those are probably the two biggest things, right? You could have been doing something productive with your family or friends instead of working for like, whatever, eight more years to save a million dollars that you're just going to like not be able to enjoy. You could have done whatever, eight or 10 years of like something fun. That's a long time.
1: Yeah, it is a long time. And uh, the other thing I took away from the book is uh, – A lot of people, because they are so busy with work and everything else, they don't have time to keep their self in optimum health. He mentions, and I've read this before, that every pound of extra weight you have is four pounds of pressure on your knees, which is difficult. You're going to blow your knees if you have too much weight. And I'm looking at my notes from the book. that it one of the things he says is health is much more valuable than money, so if you 're staying at your job and there's some people who could balance this they can be healthy and eat right and all that, but it 's hard if you 've got a stressful job and you don't have the time if you're putting off your health in any way and you have enough, I think you should immediately cut back or stop your job and focus on your health, get your ass in shape
0: it's It's easy for you to say that Carl in your ivory tower but imagine imagine like um a couple of years before you hit um, the point where you were trying to figure out how to retire early, if someone told you, hey man, you put on whatever 20 pounds, you need to quit your job, what do you think you would have said? Would you have accepted that advice?
1: Yeah, I probably would have laughed at the person and told them that they're crazy. Like, look at you, you've got enough money. And yeah, I would probably not have taken that advice, but.
0: Yeah, so how, how would you convince yourself back then, knowing what you know now?
1: I don't know. One of the most profound things that happened to me is I always look at myself in a mirror, you're brushing your teeth or whatever, and I would always see myself from, from the front side and you don't see your gut protruding out. But then one time I was in Ecuador and someone had taken a picture of me and I, I saw myself from the side and my, my stomach was sticking out. I'm like, oh, geez, this is what it's come to. And I'm not sure quite where I was going with, with that either, but sometimes we don't realize the, we have blinders on and we don't realize our situation until someone points it out. And I probably would have made uh, more of an effort to actually, the, the one thing you can always do is eat better, even if you don't have time for exercise. Perhaps I would have tried to eat better, but it's hard too. you only have so much willpower in the day. And if your, your job sucks, it's hard to fight through that
0: kind of stuff. Yeah. So I think I'm I'm going to get on board with um what I think you were getting at and you're saying we should fat shame people. Yeah, that, that's my we should take pictures of them. And you know what? I mean, I'm not I'm a pretty nice person wouldn't you say. Yes. I'm like I'm I'm taking you down a rabbit hole here. You don't want to go in. Pull out if you need to, but I think that is one of the like we could take pictures of people and be like, "Look, that is what you look like" and fat shame them. Um but that is one of the things where you could almost always, I, and I don't, I don't tease people or make fun of them to their faces or anything like that. But if someone is hassling you or whatever, you could often, almost everyone is working on their weight and they're self conscious about it. You could be like, you're fat. You know, what are you doing with your life? What are you doing? Like, come on, get it under control, which is literally, you know, no one do this. This is bullying. This is like textbook bullying, isn't it? But it's for their health, man, it's for them, right? If you're an extremely
1: uh logical stoic person without emotion, kind of like how you are, Doug, I think that that statement might, might be received all right, but yeah, for 99.9 percent of people, that uh, that that message delivered in that format is not going to work.
0: Yeah I yeah, I don't know. but I mean, I like being in shape. I usually feel better when I'm in shape. Um but yeah, n- nobody bully. Uh, I'm curious Carl, were, were you more of a bully or did you get bullied or something different? How would you when you were a kid?
1: No, I was probably the kid who would get picked on, but I wasn't afraid to fight, Doug. I had lots of fights in my childhood. No, so, yeah, if it's like uh the 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 prison movie if anyone hassles you, you beat the crap out of the first person who does that and then no one else messes you ha- with you after yeah, that. Yeah. I don't think I was even that good at it, but most people are just afraid of a fight. So if they see like someone gives you shit, okay, fuck you, yeah. uh, then they're not going to mess with you anymore. Most people will just back off. And I, I definitely do not recommend physical violence, especially as an adult. But yeah, you have to stick up for yourself.
0: Craig never thought we'd be talking about this stuff. Yeah, we went through. on
1: a bad rabbit hole.
0: When I have, I have a secondary question related to that, which we can cut this out if you want, but. Um, you you had a speech, uh, you had speech issues when you were a kid, right? Yeah,
1: speech did, and braces on my legs too, like Forrest Gump. If you've ever seen that, I had both that at the same time.
0: Really? Yeah. Man. So, d- did people pick on you because uh, of your, your speech? And I don't know exactly. I think you had a stutter, you told me, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. I stuttered. And uh, most people actually, or a couple, but the braces, a couple people would make fun of me for that too. I remember one kid would call me. Like stilt legs or something like that. I'm like, well, they're not really stilts. They're just these cables on my fucking legs to straighten that dumb out. But yeah, I would just go after him, like throw a couple punches. And then, uh yeah, that kid was persistent. He could run faster than me, especially since he didn't have the braces. So, yeah, I could never catch him and beat him up on the playground. But yeah, I, I remember that. It's all fine. It's, yeah, yeah. It's not where you uh come from. It's where you end up, I guess. That kind of stuff makes you stronger,
0: right? Yeah, that's what they all tell us, right? The um, what, what was your original question, Doug? Oh, uh, were you a, were you a bully or did you get bullied? And you said yeah. you, you probably got bullied a little bit more.
1: Yeah, uh, most kids. I thought it could have been a lot worse. I think uh, most kids were pretty decent. There's always one or two assholes, and uh, yeah, life usually doesn't work out well for them in the end. But yeah, I hope it did. I have no ill feelings towards anyone.
0: Yeah, yeah. And um, just for the record, I I was not a not a bully. I was like a nerdy kid, right? So, I got picked on a little bit, but I also have, I like to think I have a pretty good sense of humor. So, I think if I got picked on, I would like strike back with humor and um, well, I think the exchange that we just had where I was talking about fat shaming, I think you can see where it might go. Like if someone presses me, then I would make fun of them. And when other people laugh at them, that's that's terrible. Like they they don't like that at all. No. Really sets him off. So, did did you have because you're you're a witty guy? Did were you uh, would you like um, I don't know, make fun of people too, or you were more of a brawler?
1: I don't think so. I was pretty introverted. Uh, I'm a lot different person now than I was a kid. So yeah, uh violence was the answer for me as a kid. Hey, w- where did you get the black guy? Oh, I get hit by a ball on the playground, and no, I just got punched. I didn't block that one. True story, by the way. That one was. <laughs> Oh he, man, he still looked worse than me. I think. Okay.
0: <laughs> man, all right, cool. Anything else about <laughs> bullying or encouraging people
1: to man, be in shape? <laughs> yeah, I just want to apologize to Craig because we are way off talk, <laughs> But I promise we're going to give you some actionable information here. I, uh, the uh, the Dial of Zero book. That's one of the main points that yes. that he makes is if you're not in shape, like nothing else really matters. And a lot of times we let the pursuit of money get in the way of it. I'm so thankful, Doug, like after I get done with here, you live right next to the, um, you live close to a facility that I go to, to work out. And I'm going to hit that up and how lucky am I that I could just go to that thing in the middle of the day and work out with the seniors. It's going to be great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So So it's going to be good. Okay. Let's talk um, healthcare. So that was one of the things that Craig was unsure of. Um, it sounds like they can get a silver policy for less than $6 a month if they get subsidies by keeping their income in the right range. And I I would even suggest, um, you know, if you, <laughs> you don't need to be in that income range. You can suppress and Carl, you can go deeper into this, but like I know there's subsidies if you keep your income under a certain amount. You don't have to do that. I think you have enough like leeway to just like pay for it and don't get the subsidies. Um another thing where we're like we're just so frugal that we're trying to save unnecessarily for like you're already at a pretty solid surplus and when you throw in social security it's um it's kind of laughable. So Carl, what's your experience with ACA?
1: Yeah. First of all, the ACA is pretty weird in that there is no wealth test. So if you have, and I, I read about one guy who had this exact situation. He's like, I've got $10 million, but I quit and I have no income. So I'm on Medicaid and I don't want to be because that is supposed to be for people who are who can't afford healthcare. So I don't want to use the system like that. And we're that same way. We don't have $10 million, but we have enough where there's no way we need Medicaid and there's no way I would do that even though we could be on there if we gamed our money right. Uh, so what we've done is organized our money so we do have some subsidies, but we're we're paying into it a significant amount too. Uh, the other thing is we're very fortunate we hardly ever use healthcare at all. I should go in for a physical. When's the last physical you had to?
0: Um, just in the last year, I'm pretty I'm pretty good every year or two um, to make sure my cholesterol and blood work is in check because okay. I my family has like high cholesterol and stuff. Oh, so man.
1: it's been like five years for me, but I am going to get in there. Uh, the other thing with the ACA is what we experienced. We just had to sign up for a plan last week. Actually, is there are so many different plans and so many different options. There's like different versions of the same plan. So we are talking with this about a friend, and our friend is like, "Oh yeah, Ivan." ACA broker you should call her up I'm like what's that like well that's a person who's like an expert Uh, well how much does this cost well it costs them nothing because she gets a commission from the plans and it doesn't so it's completely free to you so we did that we called this person we had a session with them and we told them specifically what we wanted our kids love their doctor our other kid has this need Uh, we spend this much on meds here's the meds we spend on what do we do And they're like, "Okay, here's one that checks all the boxes, and it was so good, such a great experience because we had spent hours looking at all this crap, and you, you think you finally have one picked out, and then you realize like the doctor that the kid really wants to see isn't on there, so then it's back to zero or the doctor had quit, and you didn't know it, but these people know what they're doing, and they can find the information so much faster uh, so if anyone has questions about that, I don't know if the person we used is available in other states, but that was it, it was so good to do that.
0: Yeah, there must be hundreds of them out there if they, you know, they're an affiliate so they can earn some money doing it.
1: Yeah, I would suspect there are. I would suspect this is an easy thing to find. I'm going to put a, find out what the term for this thing is and put it in the show notes. So if you look at the show notes, we'll put the one we used and uh, any other information I can find about this.
0: Cool. So generally it was a little confusing, hard to find what you're looking for. But if you work with a broker, they kind of they can navigate it and search much more easily to just point you in the right direction. Yep. Cool. So, ACA broker or something like that. And we'll put the the actual term when Carl figures out what it is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, one of the other areas that Craig had a concern of about is um, how to fill the time. I feel like I still need to think about what my day-to-day looks like. I want to travel by hitting the road to see this great country of ours. If I'm in Colorado, he'll hit us up. He's an avid hiker and he says a buddy and I have done a large piece of the Appalachian Trail and they're working uh, one section at a time. But having said that, I know I can't be on the road or trail all the time. My plan is to get my contractor's license and do some handyman work. I have issues with that already. Okay. Um, I enjoy this type of work as I was a project manager slash super for several home builders over the course of my career okay so a couple things here like how to spend time he has several interests you know road trips and travel hiking and he also wants to uh start working so carl any broad thoughts
1: uh my my super broad thought is whenever someone says this to me i tell them to tell me what their weekend looks like and what their life will become is pretty much an expansion of their weekend. So if they're out there hiking and in national parks and working on stuff in the garage, they're just going to be doing a lot more of that. And one thing I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this, Doug, but one thing that amazed me is I was so worried that I would be bored and wouldn't have enough stuff to do. And it's exactly the opposite. Like I don't have enough time in the day and my situation is a little bit different than yours, Doug, because I have kids and that takes up time. But even without kids, there's no way, I would have enough time in the day to do everything I want to do.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I also don't have enough time in the day to do all the things that I want to do. And I have a very like leisurely schedule. Um, one, I'm going to kick a question back to you, Carl. So you say, Hey, you know, your retirement is going to look like your weekends. And I think yours probably did. Right. Cause you, before you retired, you were busting your ass working on houses and other shit, right? Yeah. And you realize now that's not ideal for what you want one to be doing. Right. Yep. So I think maybe Craig fills his weekend with like cool stuff. It seems like he has some hobbies and all that kind of thing. Um, If it is like a weekend where someone is like super busy their days when they're retired are probably going to be super busy too. So, what advice would you give to someone where they're like, "My weekends actually suck. I'm stressed out just as much as I am during the week." So, how do, how do you deal with that?
1: Yeah, err on the side of doing less and learn how to say no to things. Your default answer should always be no, unless like the the famous the famous Derek Sivers. Blog post and book. If it's not a hell yeah, it should, you should default to a no and only do things you're super excited about and only spend time with people who you really value and are super excited to spend time with as well.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think one of the reasons why we're interested in writing the laziness book is it's really hard to like force yourself to be bored. We want to be productive and bored boredom is uncomfortable and it's not productive and you have to spend enough time doing nothing to actually get bored and it's really hard to do especially if you're you're busy and you're like I want to do all this stuff it's really hard to just force yourself to be bored when's the last time you were bored I try to
1: force myself to be bored every day but I need to reframe that a little bit. I do it by way of a walk. Like I'll just walk and turn off the podcast and not listen to anything. And I think boredom can actually be a superpower if you do this. There's studies that show when you allow your brain to be bored, your brain will search for things to think about and shit to do. So you actually some of my most creative moments happen when I force myself to be bored. it's so easy not to be bored now, you stop at a you look at a stoplight and everyone's looking at their phone. Don't do that. Yeah. Uh, allow your brain to be bored and force itself to think
0: the other the other piece, oh one thing that I really like, so hiking, road trip, great, do that stuff, like schedule things. It's really fun to plan that kind of thing. come through Colorado, you could check out h q over here, let us know the other piece um that I was a little concerned about is my plan is to get my contractor's license and do handyman work. That could be fine, I would say take a year or two or three to decompress and just get a little bit bored. It's great to be productive, but I can see that becoming an issue. You do say you enjoy that kind of work, so that's, that's good. But I would say if as much as possible, like don't don't turn it into a job.
1: Yeah, our mutual friend Eric, who was on the podcast, does this kind of work. We'll put a link to him in the show notes. But one of the struggles he has is occasionally, uh, he has a difficult client and then it takes all the fun out of it. Cause then you're, you've got a problem. You're dealing with a, a difficult person. So I think Craig should pursue this, but put very strong filters on it. Only do projects for people who you know are known entities or someone else can vouch for them and only do stuff you really enjoy and maybe. Find a friend to do it with too. I've done lots of projects and I actually have Eric help help me. And it makes it so much more fun. You're having a good conversation. You're working with someone you enjoy. So I think Craig could do this, but put very strong rules around it. And then, Craig, I'll throw this out there. I, I'm going to be doing a project in the next couple of years. If you want to, uh, if you're really into that type of stuff and want to come to Colorado, I've got a job for you. I think I'm easy to get along with. What, what do you think, Doug? Do you think I'd be an asshole to work with or do you think I'd
0: be? Reasonable. I think you'll be all right. I think you'll be all right. You're buying a new house. Is that what this is? No,
1: no, we're not buying a new house. We might do a modification on a current one, but I'm either not going to do it myself or um, find people I really want to work with to help me, but it's not happening anytime soon.
0: All right. And I think this is sort of, um, you know, Craig's situation, I think, is the classic one more year syndrome. Like even where all the signs point to yes. The different calculators say it's going to work. Um, the math is, you know, very, very, um, I guess, maybe generous isn't the right word. But like, you have a lot of wiggle room. There's a lot of room for error here. And he's like, uh, I kind of want to stop working when my my wife does, but I'm not really sure. So, we we do hear this a lot with one more year syndrome or two more or three more and you just keep like going a little bit longer than you need to yeah. and carl you you had this right
1: yeah i had lots of one year syndrome i think i'm finally getting over it now six years and one month after i actually quit my formal job <laughs> six years
0: yeah yeah um and, any advice i mean it's pretty hard because it is—it's a mindset thing internally for someone if they're like, "I just don't feel quite secure yet."
1: Yeah, um, read our book when it comes out. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's very difficult. I would, I would force yourself not to do stuff, even if it, th- even if you're going to be uncomfortable by doing that. I would just make a rule for yourself. And a friend we've talked about this on a podcast before framed it really well. Uh, she said. What would you do if you, no matter what activity you did, you weren't allowed to make money from it? What would your life look like for the next year? Because I think no matter what we tell ourselves, a lot of times we lie to ourselves and we still like that little dopamine hit when we get an extra dollar thrown on the top of the pile. So I think that's how you should frame at least the first six months of retirement. Say, no matter what you do, you're going to not make any money from it. And how are you going to live your life then?
0: That's awesome. I think when I uh take a sabbatical or take some time off or whatever in the next few years, I'll have to think about that because with my affiliate marketing and SEO and like content business, basically, it, there's always like, a there's something I could do. There's always a little extra you could do. And I have been, you know, slowly tapering that down. But at the same time, like, Like always, it's like, ah, if I just did, like, whatever, 15 or 20 minutes, it could be, like, an extra few bucks, and that's good. It always feels good.
1: Yeah, it's hard to turn off the spigot, right?
0: Man, yeah, so maybe maybe I'll have to work on that. All right, well, I think this is pretty good. Any any other um, advice for Craig here? You
1: know, I do actually have one other piece of advice, which I think has helped me a lot, and it actually relates back to us on two different levels. The other thing I would tell him to do is, even if he's an introvert, which I would consider myself to be, find other Phi people, uh, maybe through a Choose Phi group. Uh, We'll put a link to where you can find those in the show notes. And just go to a meetup and start talking to them. Uh, This podcast would not have started if I wouldn't have met Doug. Uh, The book that we're writing came about as like a joke. I think we were joking around about that on a podcast, and now it's become a real thing. And I'm not saying five people are any better than normal people, but if you've got a job and you're working 40, 60 hours a week and you've got two kids, you're probably not going to be uh, – your mind's not going to be as open to other stuff and you're not going to be thinking about it because it's already consumed. But when you're with five people, uh, they tend to talk about different shit and who knows what you'll come up with and who knows what you'll uh, be open to collaborating with with other
0: people. You don't think five people are better than others?
1: I no, mean, I, I do not. I think we're different, but uh, yeah, that's not, God, we're just going to get totally canceled your, uh, your fat comments and now five people. Do you think five people are better?
0: Yeah. I mean, that's who's listening to the show. It's our audience. So I think we could we could go out on a limb. And I didn't do the fat shaming. You were the one. You were like, let's take pictures of these people and show it to them and then be like, is this who you want to be? Is that That's what you said, right?
1: No, that was myself. I wasn't happy with myself, Doug. I, I saw a picture of myself and I'm like. I'm going to die early because I have high blood pressure and my knees hurt and this is not good. I need to steer the ship in a different direction.
0: And I mean, I do it to myself. I have a picture and I'm like, you don't have any hair. Is this who you want to be? Is this grow hair? Come on.
1: It's just who I am. Maybe we can get a collaboration with the Chia pet people. I know we're against taking ads, but if it was a perfect fit, like, have you ever seen the Chia heads where it's like a bald head and then you can plant grass on there? We could get a Chia dug.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Chia, remember That's that commercial?
0: Good. I do, I do, do. And yeah, and it did they have like a Bill Clinton one and some other like a Mr. T or something like that? The I don't Mr.
1: Remember. T was just a strip down the middle. I don't know, yeah. but yeah, we should get a, we'll, we'll do a program with the chia people. I wonder if you could still buy that. That was like some of the crap you buy, like at Walgreens or whatever, right? It'd be a splurge item there next to the cash <laughs> register.
0: Yeah. I never, I never had one, but I had, um, I had sea monkeys when I was, um, I think I was like high school age or something like that, but did you ever have sea monkeys?
1: No, I think my sister did. I know what you're talking about. They were like little shrimp,
0: right? Yeah. The little Brian shrimp. And yeah, it was pretty cool. Like I, um, it was like in the back of like comic book magazines, you could send in money and yeah, I would feed them. And I, I, I remember, uh, I think in the winter they got a little cold and like sometimes the, the little tank, um. You know, it gets gets sick and you can put in like different, I don't know, I guess it's like aquarium type chemicals, but it's all branded as sea monkeys. So.
1: Yeah. They totally oversold that shit too. I remember seeing those ads. Remember? It looked like a little kingdom and one of them's holding like a, yeah. a trident and they look like little aquatic people and, and then you realize they're just shrimp. Like what the fuck sea monkey people? These are not sea monkeys. They're actually
0: yeah. shrimp. But they, I mean, they had personalities and they would like live generations and stuff and yeah, it was a pretty cool thing.
1: Yeah, how, how long did years go on for? What was their, when did the Sea Monkey Kingdom come to an end? I can't remember,
0: I, I, it was a few years. Like, I, I had them a few years, and the thing is, um, when it dried up, like, you could, like, let it go into dormancy or whatever and, and dry up, and, like, you could, like, respawn them. Like, that was the thing, like, they came in a little packet, and you put it in, stir it up, and then they, I don't know if you stir it up, but you put, you put it in Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You throw it in your blender. It's just like your protein. <laughs> no, no, you uh, you, you sprinkle it on. Read the instructions. On it. Don't take this literally. But they would come back to life when you rehydrated them and put in this the special um whatever like uh regeneration uh powder. And uh, yeah, it was super cool. And I think um I may have gotten them again as an adult at some point when I was like in my early twenties, something like that. But um. Yeah, highly recommend.
1: Yeah, okay. So, so Chia people, if you're listening, Sea Monkey people, if you're listening, uh, we could use some more money. There's the spigot again. We can't even turn it off. Damn it.
0: Yeah, yeah. We're just trying to support the show. Okay, cool. Well, uh, up next, we're going to have an episode, uh question from Steve, another case study. So, if you have some thoughts on, you know, any of the case studies or... If you have some questions yourself, these are fantastic episodes. It's pretty fun to have the very specific details. So thanks a lot. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you later, Carl. Yeah, see you, Doug. Thanks for listening to the show. That was the Mile High Five podcast. And I'm Doug Cunnington, the Balder host. And Carl Jensen is the cool, sexy one. If you dig the show, please do three things for us. Number one, tell a friend, a family member, an enemy about the show, we really don't care who you tell. Maybe forward them a specific show that you know that they will like. It's the single most helpful thing that you can do to spread the word. It's like giving us a virtual high five and uh, actually we don't give high fives in, in person, so the virtual kind's pretty good. And more importantly, your friend or family member or even your enemy will appreciate the fact that you were thinking of them. Number two, make sure you're following or subscribed on your podcast app Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, YouTube, whatever you're using, and that way you won't miss a show. And number three, please leave us a rating and review. We read them on the show occasionally, and you might hear yours out there on an upcoming episode. Quick disclaimer, this show is not financial or legal advice. I'd actually be surprised if it sounded like it. It's really just for entertainment, and that's at least what we're hoping for. But seriously, get advice from professionals. Carl and I are just two guys with microphones that sit in my basement and talk. So we'll catch y'all next week. Carl, about how much water do you drink in a day? Do you pay attention to that?
1: Uh, in the form of pure water, or in the form of diet Mountain Dew, because that's mostly water. Yeah, let's break it down. I guess. Uh, pure water. I probably drink uh sixteen ounces, something like that. I, I know, not nearly enough, right?
0: Really? Yeah. Even when you're working out and stuff.
1: I, I I do drink more at the gym. I drinking from the water fountain there, so I I do drink more when I'm
0: working out. All right, and then um, how much Mountain Dew? <laughs>
1: I cut it back like one or two cans a day. And uh, other than that, it's, uh, I try, I'm trying to get more protein. Peter Ortiz says none of us get enough protein. So I usually have maybe two protein shakes a day, which is milk or a pre made one from like Sam's Club or Costco if I'm out and about. Um, yeah.
0: Okay. So you don't, you don't drink much water at all. I drink like a gallon or something like that. Really? Is that why you pee so much or? It, that's one of the reasons why I pee so much. Okay.
1: It's funny. This is a good segue because this is actually our second recording. And a moment ago, in between recordings, you're like, I have to go up and pee. And I don't know if you know this, Doug, but it comes right through the pipes so I could hear your entire pee. And it was pretty vigorous. It was an impressive pee and started out real strong and tapered off. But yeah, you can you can hear the whole thing right through the pipes that are over there to my right.
0: Nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I have been down here and uh, I can hear you when you go too, which is something... I don't tell you, um, but I kind of, I like it. Yeah.
1: Nice. I did have asparagus for breakfast this morning. <laughs> so oddly enough, it does smell. I had this purple asparagus that I've never seen before. I think I sent you the photo you did, you did. over text. Have you ever seen that? The purple
0: asparagus? No. Okay. No, it, no, no odor. No. Oh, is that, is that the selling point?
1: It is. I was kind of disappointed. I'm going, and I'm like, what's happening here? Do I have COVID again? Is my smell gone? I'm like, no, it just doesn't smell like it usually does. And might have to return the rest. I had it with your brisket that you kindly gave us, which was great. Yeah,
0: thanks. Well, um, you got to drink more water, man. I- we have a ton of water bottles, and this one thing, if you have it with you, you'll probably drink more, but... When um, you know when you're working out and lifting weights, and I don't know if are you still taking the creatine? I do. Yes. So the creatine, like, kind of like hydrates your muscles. That's why you you know you look bigger. Oh man. You know? So like if you if you're taking creatine, you should drink lots of water because then it'll you know fill your muscles up with man. water.
1: You, you so. just told me this now. I am extremely vain. If you would have told me that before, I'd be drinking like five gallons a day.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, I shit. don't. Yeah, I don't know how it'll work for you. (laughs) But but yeah, yeah. Drink more water. That's insane. You're only you drink like one glass like when you're here and that's (laughs) Yeah, pretty you spill you spill half of it.
1: I know, right? I have a drinking problem like an airplane. Uh, I can't find my mouth.
0: I do remember that scene. So Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll work on your hydration.